As here comes our text messages. These are your thoughts on what we've shared this morning. Freco has this to say is how deformed are morals and laws in this world. Parents and children are the victims. Jesus, come and save. Amen. Then we have Rafi. What's Rafi got to say here? Are scientists more interested in the health of the sea and the fish than the mental state of society? No doubt it's great news for the sea and the fish. But what about people? The world could get uh, back to normal simply by stopping lockdowns. Well, good news is that uh, come Monday they're going to ease a bit. Oh, that's awesome. uh, WHO has much to answer for and they will answer someday soon. Okay, another text message here. Facebook, I don't want to sound... As a conspiracy nut, you know, whenever somebody starts with that, <laughs> what do you say? Anyway, dude, but but you knew there was but coming after that. These algorithms are obviously made to specifically destroy the young. Well, it's to make money, like yeah, and, and I that, think, and that is at, at the expense at the of, expense of the young. That's right, which is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, that's right. Um, if that isn't demonic, what is? Mm. Absolutely. Uh, this is why this is why you know the news headlines that I'm seeing this morning are comparing Facebook to big tobacco. Wow! Yeah, this that's is getting this is getting really heavy. That's a really fair, like I guess oh, absolutely uh, comparison. Very fair. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're partly responsible for the destruction of millions in these last days. The only good thing is that unless they repent, they will suffer the consequences in the lake of fire. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, it's good that the lake of fire exists because it will get rid of sin. Mm. I don't think we should rejoice in anyway. We yeah, need, anyway, dude, we need to pray for these people. Like, we do. We yeah. do. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, next one here: Parents are liars, and children are correct according to the law? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> the destruction of the family. So many are suffering from the decisions of the few in power. Throughout history, this has been the case. The only thing that keeps me going is the fact that God is God, is a God of justice, and his justice will prevail. Mm. And then finally we have the Big Bang Theory. We are told to watch out and not be deceived three times. I'm going to disagree with that. Mm -hmm. This is three times in Matthew 24. I'm going to go with four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to split hairs discrepancies. I'm going to split hairs. I enjoy splitting hairs sometimes. Anyway, uh, you can argue three. Yeah, I can see it say three. I like to say four. Anyway, it just sounds better. Uh, this theory is the biggest lie in science of these last days, and yet current science itself disproves it. What will it take for the truth to succeed? Praise God for Christian scientists and scientists who are simply searching for truth. So you had a Bible study the other day with a... With a with a guy who's pretty skeptical about yeah that's you know, right that's a lot right. of this a, a lot of this stuff and invited John to come and join yes I did and <laughs> um you were you know talking about you know some of these theories that are taught in schools and I think your friend if I if I remember the story correctly your friend was saying well you know the reason that you don't teach God in schools is because there's no scientific evidence for God mm, well it's 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 like how can you how can you add God into the scientific equation like in in a laboratory yes. or whatever you know when it comes to like provable, testable science, which is yes. like a you know a fair enough call, very fair question. Mm. Uh, and John had a really cool answer for it from my memory, because he kind of brought out, well, how do you add this and this and this and this into it when there's no way of? Yeah, well, because ultimately it's like okay, so you remove God from the equation, but that doesn't mean that every assumption is then answered. Like because it's just 
the reality is, is like, it, it, because I think something that John shared that was quite interesting in our Bible studies is the reality that like, even if you have evidence that then points towards, well, oh, well, how does this unanswerable question get answered? Um, well, oh, the evidence is pointing away from evolution into God as because it's like, you know, for evolution and the Big Bang Theory, like unobservable science, like yes. you can't literally test those things. They're historical science. It's like, okay, which historical science is correct? Well, there's evidence that backs up one and there's evidence, like, well, all the evidence well, is there. Well, there's interpretations and that back up one and interpretations that... That's right. And yeah. John was sharing, well, oh, hey, these interpretations actually, you know, fit the God model rather well. Um, and it's like, oh, well, why doesn't, why, you know, why do people reject it? Like, why don't people believe it? And it's like, oh, well, because, like, the science companies, like, even even articles that have been peer-reviewed um, won't then get published in journals and whatnot because they have, you know, fundamental presuppositions that, oh, well, evolution is true. And, and so it's like a lot of this information just isn't getting out there. And, yes. and all of the sides of the argument aren't being considered. So, but it was really awesome having, having John with us do, do that Bible study because I think like, you know, for me, I'm a Bible teacher, right? I teach people Bible prophecy. Yeah, I teach people, um, you know, yeah, Bible studies. I, I, I'm not a scientist and just having John there to absolutely just, Blow our minds with this information. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is something else, eh? Hey? Uh, that's so awesome. good. Anyways. That is fantastic stuff. I had something else here I was going to talk about. I had it written down on a piece of paper. Oh, that's right. I was going to remind you about that, uh, that documentary that uh, Dr. John Ashton uh, recommended to us, Our Created Solar System. Uh, Google that documentary and have a watch. I think you will enjoy it a lot. Mm. Um, Our Created Solar System. Lawson. Yes. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. Wild. Hey, I... Oh, man, I was... Chapter one. Dude, Deuteronomy is so good. Like, just with the brief part that we explored yesterday, for, yes. like, my devotions this morning, I'm like, all right, I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to read, like, the first five chapters of Deuteronomy so I can just be ready for this Bible study, dude. Because this is... And this is... Uh, this is this is Lawson getting... Um, Lawson was also listening to Deuteronomy... On his motorbike. This yeah, morning. that's right. I was, I was, I was reading it at home. I was listening to it on the motorbike. It's, it, it's, it's getting where soaked it's at. in Deuteronomy. That's right. All right, let's uh, read verse nine to eleven. All right, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse nine to eleven. Deuteronomy. Where are we going to start this morning? Chapter one, verse nine and eleven. Moses appointed. Uh, sorry, Moses continued. At that time, I told you, you are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. The Lord your God has increased your population, making you as numerous as the stars. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he promised. But you are such a heavy load to carry. How can I deal with all your problems and bickering? Okay, so this is an interesting uh, it's an interesting contrast right here because you've got you've got Moses. He obviously loves these people, yeah, a lot, yeah, and he pronounces this big blessing like, you know, you guys have have grown to more than the sand on the seashore. I don't even know how many of you there yeah. are. There's so many of you, and that's fantastic. And may the Lord bless you, and may you multiply a. Th- thousand times more. So if you've got a couple of million people here, then that's a couple of thousand million that uh, Moses is, is, is praying for them to be blessed with at this particular point. And, you know, the first thing that goes through my mind is why would why would Moses pray for such a blessing on such a rebellious people? Because mm. he doesn't hold back, you know, because in the next breath he's like, yeah, and you guys are totally rebellious as well. It's super annoying. I hate you. Like, no, leave. he doesn't. Well, well, he's he's like, them, leave but... me. He literally is like... Your bickering is too much. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to come back and talk about that. 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So I think here what you've got is a very, in in these contrasting verses, which are back to back, you've got a very good picture of the character of God. Mm. God who does not look over sin, God who does not ignore sin, God who does not, you know, forget that sin has taken place, Mm. but the God who loves us unconditionally and will, you know, and always desires the best for us. Mm. There's a great passage over in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 21. Um, Lawson, could you read that one for us, please? All Nehemiah right. 9 and verse 21. Okay. And you might wonder what Nehemiah has to do with the book of Deuteronomy, but we are about to find out. I, I find it so interesting like uh, um, that Moses almost sounds like rather, like quite fatherly here. Yes, he's, he's very, like, very much so. like he's like a dad. He's like a parent. He's like, I love you so much. I want you to prosper in life. But, but you guys are so rebellious. You are so annoying. Like, can you just be quiet? Can you just follow God? Oh man, I'm really struggling to find this book. Hold on, here we go. Um, and while no. you're looking for that, we've got a text message that says here, uh, and this kind of goes along with uh, what we're studying. While God is love, man has a free will. The only reason they will end up in the lake of fire is because they choose to reject God's love. Mm. That's a fact. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me get my phone. I'm right. like, I am I am just like, I, this Bible, the pages is so big that I can't flick through it. Okay, and so I'm he's like, just going to do it on his phone. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, Nehemiah. Oh, probably I just realized. Do you, do you want me to just read it? I've got it. I got it right okay, here. Okay. I got it. Uh, what's the chapter? Uh, chapter nine, verse twenty-one. Nehemiah chapter nine and verse twenty-one. The Bible says right here: For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They like nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. All right, there you go. Mm. For forty years, what did God do? He sustained them. And this is something that we talked about yesterday because, you know, you think about when they danced around the golden calf. Mm. How did that day begin for them? They heard the voice of God. That was the day before. Yeah. Also, this is the next day. The next day. Mm. How does that day begin for them? It begins with them getting up, collecting manna, and eating breakfast. Mm. Eating food that has been miraculously provided by God. And then Moses reminds him, you know, 40 years God sustained you in the wilderness. Mm. For 40 years every day they would get up and eat food that was miraculously provided by God. Right through that time God has provided, and, and, and you know, he says your clothes did not wear out, your feet did not swell. Mm. So God has not just provided because, I mean, where are you going to get clothing in the wilderness? God has not just provided for their for their you know for their food, but he's provided for their clothing as well. He's provided for their health. He's provided everything for them. Uh and throughout this time, how many times did they rebel? Like consistently. Consistently. Yeah. Ten ten major rebellions. Mm. Like seriously, seriously major rebellions against God where they just were like completely out and out and against God. Mm. And so um you it, it illustrates to us just how much God cares for us mm. that even when we rebel against God God is still there for us yeah well. still cares for us still loves us and you got to say like in the context of what Nehemiah is saying here like they are rebuilding the city of Jerusalem after the destruction of Jerusalem that came from 
hundreds of years of rebellion amongst amongst the people of Israel and the pink people of Judah and Jerusalem. Like they're rebuilding Jerusalem after it's been completely destroyed by the Babylonians because the Israelites won't follow God. That's right. And this is like po- like right here we're seeing in the wilderness. Right, they haven't even got a nation yet. And then it's like they receive a nation. It's like, oh, well, now will they be grateful now? Mm-hmm. Will they follow God now that they've like received a nation? You know, I, I, I going through these first five chapters this morning, and it, it basically Moses is doing a summary of their history during the time that they spent in the wilderness, yes. uh, post their kind of rebellion and and not taking those steps to go in. And it's just like you can just see how much like God is with them. And just like consistently saving them and helping them, and even though they're in the wilderness, even though they can't make it into the promised land, um, and it's like, man, you come down to the time of Nehemiah, and they're rebuilding the city after that rebellion, even when God brought them through, just didn't stop. Like it just didn't stop. They just couldn't get through their heads. Like, oh wow, God is on our side, and we should follow Him. They 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 just wanted to rebel. It's it's wild. Ah yes, and is it that different from us these days? We Amen. always need to mm. remember this, and we need to we need to look at the nation of Israel, and then look at ourselves. Mm. All right, let's move on in the book of Deuteronomy, and let's read verses twelve to seventeen. So Deuteronomy chapter one, verses twelve to seventeen. It continues, and it says, "But you are such a heavy load to carry. How can I deal with all your problems and bickering? Choose some well-respected men from each tribe." who are known for their wisdom and understanding, and I will point them as leaders over you. Then he responded, your plan is a good one. So I took the wise and respected men you had selected from your tribes and appointed them to serve as judges and officials over you. Some were responsible for a thousand people, some for a hundred, some for 50, and some for 10. At that time, I instructed the judges, you must hear the cases of your fellow Israelites and foreigners living amongst you. Be perfectly fair in your decisions and impartial in your judgments. Hear the cases from those who are poor as well as those who are rich. Don't be afraid of anyone's anger for the decision you make is God's decision. Bring me any cases that are too difficult for you and I will handle them. Okay, so as a direct result of God's blessing upon the people, what happened here and what steps did Moses take to deal with the situation? Well, he was like, wow, God has blessed you. You guys are like a huge nation now, but you're really annoying and you have too many problems for me to deal with. So I'm going to select a bunch of leaders, a bunch of officials and a bunch of judges, um, you know, and I'm going to create some kind of council system, some, uh, you know, where you've got rulers over many and then rulers over few um, to be able to deal with the civil disputes that happen within the nation. So you've got organisation coming in and taking place here, don't you? That's right, yeah. And, of course, if you read back through the history of this, this was a suggestion that was made to uh, Moses by his brother-in-law Jethro. Yeah. And, of course, Moses, you know, he's, he's recounting all of their story here as he, uh, as, as he works his way through the book of Deuteronomy. But when you've got this organisation coming in, you've got the formation. This is really the formation of a nation. Mm-hmm. And a church, mm. because what the th- the thing that defines government is the presence of law. That's right. But law is not present when there is no opportunity for that law to be enforced. Mm. So God comes along and He gives the law on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, and then He gives you know the other laws that are appropriate for the nation of Israel, the laws of health and hygiene, uh, which we still have today the laws of uh, the theocracy, 
with their civil penalties, which we don't have today, the laws of the uh, sacrificial system, which we also don't have today. So, you know, Moses comes through and God comes through and he gives all of these laws. But unless laws are enforceable, laws do not exist. That's right. And this is, which is one of the reasons why in some parts of Australia there's certain laws that have been abolished. You know, there was parts of the Northern Territory where uh, I think it's still the case. I don't know. I haven't heard differently, but they abolished the speed limit. Not because the speed limit was a bad thing, but it was just impossible to enforce because it was just too remote. Yeah, that's right. And nobody was going to take notice of it anyway, so why actually have it there at all? Yeah. Uh, if you hit a kangaroo at 300 kilometres an hour on that particular stretch of road, well, there's going to be a brief flash and that's it. You're done. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's just that's just kind of how it is. And so not only has God here instituted laws, but he has instituted a system whereby those laws can actually be enforced. And by doing so, he has formed a nation. Mm. He's formed a church. He's formed a government. So often, well, not so often, but occasionally, I should say, I come across individuals who are, you know, of the view that, well, you know, I'm happy to be a Christian so long as I don't have to belong to an organization. Mm. So long as I don't have to belong to a church. But what we find is, is at the very beginning, from the very beginning, God's people have never, it has never been God's will that God's people are disorganized. That's right. It has never been God's will that it's just every man for himself. Mm. Every man does what is own in what is right in his own eyes. Yeah. That has never been God's will. God's will has always been that we worship corporately together. Mm. And this is why it establishes in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 3 where it says the Sabbath is a holy gathering together. It's not a time when you just hang out by yourself and you know have a have a rest, have a bit of a break, whatever. No, it's time for mm. gathering together and doing so in an organized fashion where you have rules and you have guidelines that you live by. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right. Let's get back to our Bible study. Yes. And this time, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 30. We're having a bit of a di- an off-air discussion here about organization. Oh, yes. Yes, you are. And about how awkward it is when people say, I'm not into organized religion because it's kind of silly. Yeah, well, I think it's because like in, in, in our literally, like I think it's only been in development in probably the last five, six years that atheism, like strong atheism, like Richard Dawkins' atheism isn't trendy anymore. Yes, that's and right. people like a lot of celebrities in pop culture are getting back into like spirituality. Like Kanye West is an example of that, and so people who are followers of that celebrity or into that music or whatever um, are like, "Oh, you know, I'm all for spirituality, but not a fan of organized religion." And as soon as I hear people say that, I'm like, "Wow, this guy is like such just pseudo intellectualism is just dripping <laughs> off them." Like, no, you're not smart, you're not edgy, you're not cool. By saying that you're not a fan of organized religion, like it's the safest take you can possibly make or say, because it means that you're just not a, a non-committal you can, you can person. Be absolutely committed to absolutely nothing. Yeah, but you make yourself look smart. Yeah, that's right. You, it's you, all you do. You come you just, off as open-minded, uh-huh. but you actually have no idea what you're talking about. So, <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, that, that's something we see rather often, and it's, it it's because then those people claim to be really tolerant. 
as people. And, and just person, I see that a lot at, you know, the uni that I work at with the church there where you've got this idea of like, oh, we're all for people's different walks, walks of life and spirituality. But if you tell anyone about your Christianity, we will shut down your club. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We will, <laughs> we will crush you. We are so tolerant that we will smash you <laughs> if you tell anybody about what you believe. That's right. So it's, yeah, it's, um, yikes. Anyways. Yeah, I've got a text coming through here. Let me just see what this one has to say. This one's coming through from Freco. We've got one from Freco, one from Vincent. Uh, the more they try to disprove God, the more they prove God is truth this all started in the garden with satan and is still doing the same thing same today god will win the bible has never lied it's truths all the way through it's truth all the way through and then vincent says corporate worship involves a degree of accountability mm. lots of people don't want that oh wow that's, that's exactly what you were just saying right there yeah that's right they want to you know it's uncool if you are not spiritual. Yeah. Very few people will come along and say, no, I'm not spiritual at all. Spirituality is, you know, it doesn't exist within humanity. Yeah. Very, very few people will do that. Everybody will say, yes, I'm spiritual, provided there's no accountability. That's right. That's where the rubber hits the road right there. Mm. Well said, Vincent. Okay. Where are we up to? Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31. 31. Verse 30. And verse this one. 30, the Bible says this. So Moses recited the entire song publicly to the assembly of Israel. Okay, so here we have what's called the assembly. Mm. Uh, in Hebrew, that's the kwahal. Oh, okay, yep. Kwahal. To the kwahal. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Greek word for that is ecclesia. Yes. The ecclesia is the word in English for church. Mm-hmm. And so we could read this one, this verse here in Deuteronomy, uh, very simply translated this way, then Moses spoke in the hearing of the church of Israel, mm. the words of this song, mm-hmm. until they were ended. And so we find that the concept of church is something that has been around, you know, right from the very beginning. And the concept of an organized church, mm. an organized church, Church that has structure, that has real, uh, that has that has rules, that um, has you know that that has a, a way in which it operates. Uh, another text message here: the organization of churches in the Book of Acts, which will be in the last days, is very different from churches today. That's true. Mm. And uh, you've got the organization of the church in the time of Moses was very different from the from the organization of the church in Acts. Yeah. And uh, the closer we get to the end of time, the closer we will get back to the book of Acts. Mm. Different time periods in history uh, require different forms of organization. Mm. And when we as human beings, we create an organization, it's going to have flaws. We need to recognize that and we need to not look at any organization, whether it's yours, mine, Yours as a listener, whoever's it is, we need to remember that none of these organizations are going to be perfect Mm. because they are all run by human beings and they're put together by human beings. Uh, That does not mean that we don't have organization Mm. because without organization, we have no evangelism, we have no soul winning, we have no coordination. If everybody just goes out and does what is right in their own sight, does their own thing, then the haphazard work that will take place will actually accomplish nothing. Yeah, and, and that's not because it's like pro-organization. It's because I love what Vincent texted, without accountability, like our heart is full of sin. 
Yes. Legit. Like we are wretched people. If we yes. don't have accountability, if we don't have a community in which we can and lean on and grow with, like we can just end up just absolutely wild guys and actually harm people in our witness. That's right. And that's why when you go to First Corinthians chapter 12, you've got this whole picture that Paul builds there of the body, mm. the body of Christ, and how that within the body of Christ you've got all of these different parts of the body of Christ. You know, you've got the eye, you've got the feet, you've got the head, you've got the toes, you've got the hands, and that the body is not complete until they are all there and mm. working in harmony with each other. So if you separate all of the different um elements of the body of Christ and you scatter them all over the place, how effective is that body going to be? If you if you tear out the eyes and cut off the hands and cut off the feet, cut off the toes and spread them all over the world because like, well, you know, let's get the gospel out there, how effective will that be? It's not effective. Mm. When you bring it all together with Christ as the head, then you're going to have a very effective body of Christ. Mm, definitely. And simultaneously as well when you read in Hebrews 10, like, you know, do not forsake the assembling together, even as you see the end approaching. Like, yes, it, it, like it, it gives a charge to us, no matter how. Like, and I think when it uses the phrase there, even as you see the end of po- approaching, it's talking about the difficulty that comes in those circumstances. That's right. And it's like, in spite of the difficulty, do not forsake the community of God. Do not forsake the church of God because He is calling you to be together. Powerful stuff. Okay, Rafi's text is through. The church in the book of Acts is the church that preached the gospel to the whole world. Wow. All the Christians were evangelists. Mm. That's what we will get back to and that's what we need to get back to. I mean, and it wasn't that this was a disorganized church. You find a very high level of organization that was in the church at that particular point. You know, they were holding general church councils. You've got the Mm. whole history of the Jerusalem Council where they come together and the leaders are sent in and the various delegates arrive and they discuss weighty matters for a long period of time and come to conclusions as a result Mm. of that. So this was not just, you know, random individuals going here, there, and everywhere. No, this was highly organized. When Paul was sent out on his missionary journeys, the operative word is that he was sent. Mm. You know, the church got together and ordained him for that particular work. That's right. And we've got to remember once again is that an ordination in this particular situation is God's recognition of a person's, the church's recognition, sorry, of God's calling on that person's life. Mm. Is not the church giving them something, it's the church recognizing that something has already taken place, something has already been given. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Anyways, it is now time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, today's question of the day is, is an interesting one. I have an acronym to share. I kind of don't know what it means. What is the FNV? The FNV is the First Nations version. Oh, okay. So this is a Bible that was translated in the United States, and so it refers to First Nations people of North America. Mm. So not First Nations of people of other nations, but First Nations people of North America. What happened was that you had a, a First Nations man by the name of Terry Wildman um, who was a Methodist minister, and he found a Hopi translation of the New Testament. The problem was that he couldn't find anyone who knew the language well enough to be able to read it and to translate it and recognize that, you know, for the vast majority of First Nations people in North America, English was the only language that they spoke and knew. Mm. 
And so then he was also doing prison ministry. And as a result of his prison ministry, he started to paraphrase passages of the Bible into the kind of terminology that would that, that people within his prison ministry would really relate to, mm. to make the Bible more relatable. And so what happened, what, what, what came about as a result of that was that people became interested in the way he was rewording the scriptures and started to put some, um, some interest in it back in 2015. Um, One Book Canada was a ministry that helps translate the Bible into local languages, offered to fund uh, Wildman and a former head of the Wycliffe Bible Translators Canada and over a 1,000 native pastors and theologians from dozens of nations provided input into this particular translation that was published earlier this year. And so it's kind of interesting. It is a paraphrase, um, and in my opinion, a paraphrase is more or less a devotional book. You, we probably shouldn't call paraphrases Bibles. Uh, your NLT that you have over there is a paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And so it's not the kind of Bible that you're going to go for to define doctrinal truth. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was interesting was particularly the, the way they deal with names. So names in the Bible have meanings, and First Nations people in North America go by meanings rather than by nouns. Mm. So if you look at the word Jerusalem, for instance, the noun is Jerusalem. The meaning is city of peace. Yes. And so if you're a First Nations person, you would call it city of peace or as it's translated here, village of peace. Uh, because, you know, that's the, that's the, the, the meaning of the, uh, of, of the actual word. And so, um, yeah, when you look at some of the different names, Jesus is called creator sets free because that's what the word Jesus means. And what the way it works is it'll have the, um, the 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 you know the first nation style name followed by the actual name Jesus in parentheses so it'll be it'll call him creator sets free in parentheses Jesus John is gift of goodwill in parentheses uh, John Paul is small man in parentheses Paul Herod is looks brave Israel is wrestles with creator Jerusalem is village of peace Rome is village of iron etc so it kind of kind of would make it very interesting uh, kind of thing to uh, read. The Some of the more controversial ones, the names and titles of God are also translated. So the Lord and God are the great spirit and the creator um, or honored chief, um, you know, depending on the context. Messiah is the chosen one. Um, other passages use great mystery, maker of life, giver of breath, above us all, most holy one. And so it kind of seems to me to be a little bit like, you know, Kel Richards' um, Ocker version of the Bible. Mm. Where, but you know that one, of course, went a little bit too far and became more ochre than ochre Australians. Yeah, it's just a meme. It's like it's a bit of a kind joke. of yeah. kind of became a meme and missed its point. Mm. Um, but this one seems to be a more serious kind of effort to you know make a devotional book, and I would that's what I would call it, a devotional book that First Nations people would find interesting and relate to. So that is the FNV, First Nations Version of the Bible, if you have seen one. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.